0: so many of the women that I've worked with find that being creative is much easier for them than trying to meditate or trying to um spend time just quote-unquote being quiet and then they get their inspiration and their connection to that self and they can be in that flow and get yeah their their ideas their inspiration their juices flowing this is Women Killing It. Each
1: week, women who are killing it in their careers share their stories and advice for making it in today's working world. Your host is Sally Hubbard. Today's guest is Patty Clark. Patty is the author of a new book called This Way Up, and I'm really excited to learn all about it. Patty, you are totally killing it.
0: <laughs> Thank you.
1: <laughs> it's an exciting time, I tell you, Sally. Thanks for joining me today. And tell us about, about your book, This Way Up.
0: Well, This Way Up is about helping women recover from various life transitions. It's a story of healing. Uh, it's, it's written in two parts, and the first part is an allegorical tale about a woman who is experiencing empty nest feeling bereft, uh, feeling alone, purposeless, directionless. And she has a series of dreams that help her connect back to her deepest and richest sense of self. And through creativity and through self-exploration, she connects back and finds deeper, richer life, basically. And then the second half of the book is a day-by-day, 12-week journaling workbook, which explore the same topics for the reader that the protagonist explored in the book.
1: And a lot of the focus is on the transitions that women experience, especially when they've been focused primarily on caretaking for others, right?
0: Exactly, exactly. So when when we as women experience these transitions, whether they be kids leaving home and having empty nest or experiencing divorce or the death of a spouse, uh, more and more through retirement, loss of a job, or um, especially for many baby boomers, we've been a sandwich generation taking care of parents, and now a lot of those parents are dying. And we after those years of taking care of others, we often struggle with that sense of directionless and purposelessness. And This Way Up focuses on those difficult feelings.
1: I have experienced that for sure when, as my children have gotten older and... You know, at the at the early stages of parenthood, it's just so all consuming that you're really just caretaking, and and you kind of forget that you your own self even exists, right? Exactly,
0: exactly. <laughs> that is so true.
1: And then I remember getting little. I would start to get little as the kids got older. Or maybe there'd be a moment where someone was somehow the kids were being taken care of, or and I wasn't working, and I would get a little moment of free time, and i would like, wait, I've got free time. Okay.
0: <laughs> Make the most of it. Make yeah, ex- the free time. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah,
1: they're like, wait, what do I? What do I like to do? I don't know. I don't know what I like to do. <laughs>
0: and, and that's that's exactly right. That's what I've been running workshops for women for. Well, I've been running workshops for teenagers and women in New Zealand for about, gosh, almost three decades. And um, specifically, just for women for over uh, the last ten years. And I keep hearing the same thing from all the women I work with. It's, it, it's not unique. And we give so much and we focus so much on others that we really do lose that sense of self. And and just like you said, what is it that I like to do? What, what do I want to do? And if I say, oh, I want to go out and have fun, what does that look like again? And we forget, we, we get lost in that, in, in the lives of others, basically. As
1: my children have gotten older, and now I have, my children are now, um, one's turning nine and one is six. And so I'm out of the kind of early, you know, under five phase. And I've started to reclaim little bits of my life and remembering things that I like. And I started listening to music again in terms of my own music instead of only listening to children's music. (laughs) (laughs) And the funniest thing was every time I heard a song, I'm like, oh, I, I love this song. And I kept on realizing that all the songs I liked were from albums that came out in 2006.
0: Yep. (laughs) And my daughter was born in 2007. (laughs) Yep, yep, absolutely, absolutely. That's so true.
1: So, yeah, and I mean, I'm I'm someone that has always worked um, as a mother, so I feel like the working was the closest that I could do to nourishing my own self, even though it was working. But certainly I tried periods where I spent more of my time and childcare and less working and i really really struggled with that personally.
0: Oh, absolutely. But the thing is is that that's um what you're expressing is is i've heard a lot from other people but again, it's that thing of women that were working outside of the house or working solely within the home or caring for parents and caring for a family, there was still that outside focus and what what i'm seeing a lot with the women that i'm work with working with because i'm fifty eight and I work with a lot of women that are in their like around fifty five to sixty five is that with that facing of retirement, kids being older, no longer taking care of parents there there's that a real sense of loss because a lot of women were working outside of the home and did have that focus and now retirements come up and now this new thing that's happening and I don't know if you've um, heard a lot about it but I've been seeing it time and time again in workshops is that there is a huge increase in divorce rate among the 45 to 65, 70-year-old group. And there's so much so in the US, UK, Canada, Australia, New Zealand, so much so that they're actually, they have a name for it, and it's called the Gray Divorce Revolution. And what I have found, Sally, is that women of that age are now experiencing what what I'm calling triple empty nest. They're having their kids leaving home for college or to go work. If they were part of the sandwich generation and taking care of parents, their elderly parents are dying often. And then they are also retiring, but then very often now experiencing this divorce as well. And I am... I'm encountering so many women that are just feeling so bereft, so lost. All of these things are disappearing that they used to define their lives on. And it's hitting women incredibly hard, Sally.
1: This is so interesting because I just spent um, yesterday starting to read a book called The Myth of the Perfect Girl. Mm. And it's about you know, the pressures of perfectionism and, and how much worse it is actually with the generation of girls now due to social media and due to higher achievement standards and more competitive pressures and uh, everything being amplified on social media. And the main advice is to teach girls to find their inner sense of purpose and joy and what brings them pleasure and joy.
0: Oh, I so love it's it. just so
1: interesting to think about... And so I'm focused on trying to help my daughter. Um, I, I bought this book to, to help my daughter escape perfectionism, but I also realized that a lot of it's going to apply to my own self and trying to figure out finding that joy within myself instead of out, out exterior um, indicators of achievement or, um, you know, other types of outside sources. Yes. But it's just so interesting to think that this is something that is a lifelong struggle for women and and, and something that we could start working on with girls, but even women, and even women, I'm, I'm 40, my age, it's a big issue. Uh, and then, you know, as you become an empty nester or, or get a divorce and just kind of how this issue just travel, like kind of affects us differently throughout every stage of life.
0: That's so true. And oh my gosh, And I, it really it gave me chills. I was so happy to hear that there's a book addressing that with girls. I'm just just—I'm thrilled. But it, I've heard it through every single age group. I've worked with teenagers and I hear girls more than boys. Some boys experience it for sure. I don't want to make it so gender specific. And I have had some men that have read the book that have said that it really touched them and they could relate. But it seems to be more more um, girls and women, and even at a young age, girls tend to nurture more. They tend to focus outside more. Um, and then, of course, with, as you were saying with this book, with the pressures of achievement, the pressures of social media, absolutely. And teenage girls are experiencing that so much. And then I was, I've was i worked done a lot of work with teen moms. And so young women that have gotten pregnant in their late teens and early 20s, and they experience it hugely because their brain, hasn't developed fully and yet suddenly they're thrown into this role that they have to be caring for another when their brain isn't fully developed and they're still quite egocentric as, as is appropriate with brain development but suddenly they have to shift roles and there's a real loss of self there. Um, and then again, I've I've had several young women who have read it that have just finished university, just finished college and are deciding on um, careers and deciding on what to do. And they're feeling this sort of loss of what do I want for me? And instead of only focusing outside. And then again, in, in the 40s when kids are becoming more independent and there's sort of a, a, a renewed sense of looking for self again, like you were describing, and then with empty nesters and getting older. I, I think it really is, as you said, lifelong. It's not just one stage.
1: It's funny because I've actually been looking at the um, empty nest stage as something that I've heard is now becoming an, an opportunity for career renaissance for women.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes.
1: So I've actually been looking at it in this positive not, you know, I want to cherish, um, the time that I have with my children, but then I'm also just thinking, you know, sometimes I have these career goals that I just think are, will be a little, take me away a little too much from the children. And I think, well, maybe when I'm empty nester, I can start my own web startup or whatnot. (laughs) 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 Um, (laughs) because I've heard people like Sally Krawcheck, who's the founder of the Elevate Network talking about, this is a phenomenon that she's experienced and she's seen other women experience kind of actually a career renaissance, at the emptiness stage. Absolutely.
0: Um, yeah. I've, I've read that and heard that as well. The, the, the fear or the red flag for me is that if we, as women simply flip that um, focus and nurturing from children to focus and nurturing on renewed career with touching back into self, without saying, okay, where am I in this process? Am I, am I feeling fulfilled as an, as self? Am I connecting back to what really gives me joy and where I am truly feeling in a sense of flow and connected to my deepest sense of self? Or am I simply doing something else to avoid pain or avoid that deepest kernel of self? that would be my only worry
1: yeah I think that's something that I uh actually was starting to really realize when I was reading the book that I feel like I've de- definitely myself um, always been looking outside for my sense of self instead of inside so I definitely think that's you know something I'm gonna personally work on but it's something that if we all together as women worked on it could really I think lead us to greater success and obviously happiness, but also I think actually would lead to better career success.
0: Oh, I think so too, because when you are truly in touch with that deepest sense of self, when you can touch your true passion and you aren't just working to, out of fear, because fear of of financial insecurity or fear of not being good enough without a proper job or fear of, of not, how do I look to others if I'm not doing this fabulous career or fear of, you know, there are many, many things that you can label as that fear and wanting to achieve in order to bypass that. Or in order, what I keep hearing, to be honest, Sally, is is just a need to be busy a need to do anything to not to not feel the pain and whatever that pain is and and I'm not saying that everybody's loaded with pain not at all but we tend to get busy, get distracted, um, spend more time online, having another glass of wine, having um, watching another stupid television show doing doing things to not address, any kind of, of pain or difficulty, we want to numb that out by being, yeah, distracted. And and any number of things can add to that. I know with women, certainly adding a few glasses of wine at the end of the day is really common. What starts out as, oh, I deserve this glass because then I can unwind, turns into three glasses and then feeling guilty that they've, that she has drunk too much and then decides like, oh, well, tonight's a loss anyway. So I'm not going to really do whatever it was. And so I'm going to sit in front of the television or in front of the computer screen and just veg out because I deserve it because I'm tired. And, And this sort of numbing sort of cycle continues.
1: Oh, that's really interesting. I think I'm a victim of that numbing cycle. I mean, I haven't, I've been, I haven't I have gone to the three glasses of wine on a nightly basis yet, but <laughs> <laughs> there's definitely the kind of crashing at the end of the night. And often I think I should just go to sleep and then I could wake up early and get my workout in and actually spend the time doing something that feeds me. Uh, as opposed to just kind of throwing that time away, being numb and exhausted at the end of the day.
0: Yeah, it's, it's really common. And ironically or, or predictably, we as women often beat ourselves up for it on top of that. So not only do we do this that doesn't necessarily serve us, but then we use it as a cat of nine tails to beat ourselves up and say, oh, I should have done this differently. So often we do this. Um, and there's some of the things that I talk about in my book and that I certainly work on in my workshops and one of those is is about creativity, because if we can touch some kind of creative outlet that, that, that feeds us, what we can find through that is a sense of what's called flow. Most people have heard of this. In positive psychology, they identify flow as being in that, really in that deepest sense of self where time and space almost get lost and you're doing something that you're so enjoying, that you're so lost in, that you're connected almost to that, to your highest sense of self because you're, you're immersed. And that can be so many different things. But if we are on Facebook or having a second glass of wine or watch, watching a dumb sitcom, or whatever, we can't go there because our brain is is foggy. Or uh, we get lost in the in the distraction instead of being able to connect. And I mean that connection can come in a lot of different ways. I, I tend to do it through writing, because writing is the modality that I can be most creative in and get most lost in. But I'll do it. I also do it sometimes with doodling and just sort of moving a pencil around to sort of be. In, in a flow, or playing with color. Some people that I know do it through gardening, through music, a lot of, a lot of women I know do it through music, some through cooking or sewing. Anything where you are doing a task that you are so deeply enjoying and that there's such a focus on the pieces that you are connecting to that flow, that deeper sense of self. And that, when we're in that activity, that's actually when we get our best inspiration and insights. And so that's why it's so important to give ourselves that time and space. I've I've worked with so many of the women that I've worked with find that being creative is much easier for them than trying to meditate or trying to um, spend time just quote unquote, being quiet. And then they get their inspiration and their connection to that self and they can be in that flow and get yeah their their ideas their inspiration their juices flowing but again what, ironically what we say is we deserve this we're tired we want to have a glass of wine don't tell me i can't because i've worked really hard all day the kids are finally in bed i finally am finished with work don't tell me i can't put my feet up and have a glass of wine and watch television and of course nobody's going to tell you not to that's absolutely fine but if we find ourselves doing it on a daily basis to the neglect of self then we are again losing losing that that sense of self and losing that connection
1: that's so interesting because definitely this podcast has been providing my flow for sure yeah and i feel like i do just want to be doing creative projects all the time I have so many different things I want to do Um, actually I started writing a book great um, everything I'm learning from this podcast (sighs) but I often feel like I just there's not time for it but I guess there is time at the end of the day when I feel too exhausted to do anything else maybe I would have the energy for those creative projects
0: well, it, it it depends again. It's if if you end up using it as a cat of nine tails and say I should I should be doing this. I'm too tired. Right. I can't. Then then you're defeating your own purpose. You know. It's it, it we have to we have to nurture ourselves. We have to take care of ourselves. I mean, that's one of the pieces in my book. Is is there's a focus on love and absolutely we have to love ourselves first. And we as women have a hard time doing that. Often, we usually put ourselves last and. And if when we actually get to the point of loving ourselves first, it, when we say, okay, right now I need to love myself, what does that look like? It might not look like doing a creative project. It may look like I'm just going to lay in bed and read my favorite book. And that's wonderful. You know, that's a gift. That's great. The The problem, the red flag is when we realize that we have lost weeks due to the fact that in that you know, five hours at the end of the day when we do have time to ourselves that we don't do anything with it except drink too much or watch a stupid television show or something like that. That's when we are wasting that wonderful room for self. And that's when it becomes a red flag. But if you are energized at the end of the day and you have time to work on things with your book or things with your blog or things that nurture you and and you are feeling energized from it and excited, then awesome. That's great. But if you look at the screen screen and you're thinking, I should type, I should type, I should do this. Oh God, I don't want to. (laughs) Then you're not serving yourself.
1: Sadly, I think the five hours to me ends up being about one hour of, um, (laughs) by the time I've fed the children, you know, I just, I think, you know, this is another problem, a kind of chronic structural problem with, um, the long, longer work days and longer homework expectations for the kids. And, you know, that by the time you've gotten everything done, um, the time that you have is very small
0: yes yes that's absolutely true and and when we're when we're mothering younger children so be it, you know, that we've, most of us make the choice that that's what we want to do. We want to be on, we want to be good mothers. We want to um, be there for our kids. And, and if, you know, if we're getting up early to get the kids up, to make sure that everything's done and make lunches and then get them to school and then go to our job. And then when we, you know, pick up the kids from school or from wherever they've done after school and then get kids home and make sure that they're doing homework or whatever and then making dinner and taking care of the family, sometimes it sadly is an hour, and that's okay. And as long as um, if that's our priority... Then that's okay, and it's for such a short blink. I mean, God knows I did that, and most of the women that I know and and that I care about did that because it was our choice. We wanted to be able to be there for our kids, and we wanted to be able to be on for our family, etc. It's it's a balancing act, you know. Sorry to go back to that old cliche, but it truly is a balancing act. And um, my advice in workshops and in the book is is just at least to find some time for self doing something that's nurturing that something that is is feeding feeding your soul that isn't just uh, oh my god the day's over i'm exhausted and tomorrow morning, I've got to get up and do it again. And and so much that, that your sense of self is gone. And and it doesn't sound like that's, that's your experience at all. You're doing some really awesome stuff. But a lot of the women that I've worked with and that I've spoken to have gotten lost in that cycle.
1: I have definitely, though, gotten addicted to this kind of Facebook haze. Oh, Jesus. Where I go... <laughs> Oh my god! When, when I'm like, it's time to go to sleep, let me just look and see what's going on, on Facebook uh-huh. and then the next thing you know it's a half an hour later, and I could have gotten more sleep and felt better the next day, and I'm trying to break that habit for sure,
0: oh my gosh, yes, and that's something I absolutely talk about is pay attention to your distractions because that's that's what, I mean, that's certainly become the number one, Sally, absolutely. The Facebook haze, absolutely. And we just, I'll hop on just to see if anyone's liked to me today, just to see if anyone's commented on my, you know, cute post, just to see what other people are doing, just to blah, blah, blah. And, and we do it. Uh, unconsciously throughout the day it's on our phone somebody you know something comes up we look Um, we've got five minutes between the meeting and where wherever we have to be we go on our phone and check Facebook again we get home we pull up the screen we look at Facebook we see what other people are doing there's so many red flags with this and I'm oh my god I do it too please don't think I'm saying that I'm above that I absolutely do it everyone I know does But there's so many red flags. One of the biggest ones is that so much of Facebook is smoke and mirrors. But we all believe that everybody else's life looks so good. We all believe that everybody else is having the time of their life. They've got more money. They've got a better relationship. They have a better trip. They've got a better job. Their kids are doing much better than mine. They're um, serving healthier food. They're eating better. They're exercising better. Oh, my God, their body looks better. Oh, I look like... I look like crap. I mean, we just have this constant, well, I shouldn't say we, I, and many women I've spoken to have this constant litany in our brains about how much better everybody else is because of their Facebook posts. (laughs) And, and, you know, again, we're using, we're using Facebook as yet another cat of nine tails.
1: I have definitely, um... I had that experience. Actually, recently there was a week when I, it was kind of a holiday week, but I was in the office and everyone on Facebook seemed to be on vacation uh-huh. and I was just so grumpy <laughs> that I wasn't on vacation.
0: Yep, absolutely. And I have, I just, I've spoken to a couple of women recently that have, that are single mothers that have younger kids that are saying they they feel not good enough, they feel guilty because all the other mothers of the kids that their kids know have, you know, their kids are either at summer camp or their kids are having this great vacation or their kids have gone to Disneyland or to, you know, all the cool new water parks, whatever. And, you know, a couple of these women have said, I'm working and I don't have the money and therefore my kid is suffering. So not only Am I bad, but I'm a bad mother and my kid's going to grow up to be a psychopath because I'm not doing it right. And, you know, again, so using the Facebook haze thing, the Facebook um, whipping post as beating ourselves up that we're not good enough, that we're not enough fun and that we're not good enough mothers and that our kids are going to grow up deprived because everybody else's kids are doing so much better than ours. Oh my God. It's just, (laughs) it's never, ever ending.
1: I think there's a, a, something really big to this um, need to stay busy as well. I mean, I've heard people refer to it as hurry disease or, you know, even if it's not social media, even if it's not technology, it's just like running around the house and taking care of chores. Yes. And then the moment it stops, you're like, wait, wait, what do I do now? Wait. And it's like, it's almost, I've actually had this happen to me when I have really busy, intense periods at work and then they end. Yep. And then all of a sudden I'm confused. Like, okay, I, I need, it takes me a couple of days to get my balance back.
0: Absolutely. And it,
1: it is almost like I have found myself, I had this funny thing that used to happen when I was in college where I would get depression after final exams were over. Yep. You know, final exams are miserable. Right. <laughs> but when they ended, instead of being like, woohoo. You know, they're over. I would feel that way at first, but then I would fall into a depression. Yeah, like, yeah. what is wrong? <laughs> what? How can anybody get depressed for having like, final exams be over? <laughs> but I think it's just when you have a period of like intense focus and then all of a sudden you have time and then you don't know to ha- how to handle it.
0: That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And what you're describing is, is I've heard from many, many people, not only around fire, final exams, but about big projects at work or about getting ready for something like with, with a house project or other things that when it's finished, there's this c- crash, this collapse, this feeling of, uh, oh my God, now what? And I mean, a lot of that has to do with brain chemistry. We're We're firing so fully focused on this one thing that when it stops, there's this like disconnect. <laughs> um, and and a, absolutely with that busyness that you're describing, it is, it's an epidemic. And it, we have gotten so busy with all of our things that we have to do and you know to the point where we finish one task and it's like well I'll just vacuum as long as I've got this this space of 5 minutes I'll run the vacuum really quick and then I'll run out to the store and I'll get that because I've got this 5 minute space between this and this that I can get that done and I'll get something else ticked off my list and we have this running list in our heads about everything that we should quote unquote get done that we just stay insanely busy. And it's um, it's so proven in, in so many studies that what we all need to do is spend uh, chunks of time, however much time we can afford, whether it's five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, just being still, just letting our brains go into a, a space of of quiet. And even if we do have tasks we have to do, just trying to do them more mindfully rather than busily. Because I know for myself that when I have that running commentary in my head and I have the lists that are never ending, it's not like I've got a list of five things on a piece of paper. Oh no, this is a whole scroll in my brain that will just keep going and generating new tasks. My brain is a taskmaster that does not stop. And I will always find something else that I should do rather than sit and just be just for a few minutes to sort of recalibrate my brain. And then, if I do decide that, okay, I will vacuum now, to actually vacuum mindfully rather than distractedly, rather than vacuuming, but in my brain thinking about the next four tasks that I'm going to do when I'm just going to do this on autopilot because I have to, because I have to get it done. There's so much research about how beneficial it is to our brain and to our entire body and immune system to do tasks mindfully and to absolutely take even five minutes a day to just sit.
1: Yeah, I heard something recently about that, um, that we're happier. I think it was on the Note to Self podcast um, by Manush Marodi about a study involving happiness and that if we are thinking about what we're doing when we are doing it, we are happier, even if it's something that a task that we don't enjoy like vacuuming.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. There there have actually been several um, studies done on that recently. Just if we are focused on the task at hand and absolutely present with it, as you said, even if it's not something we like doing, but if we are present to that present moment, our brain is is generating more of, of what would uplift us shall we say, we may not be happy because people get confused with the word happy. You know, we may not be happy washing the dishes, but if we are doing them mindfully and with intent and actually present to the washing, we are actually um, yeah generating more of what is uplifting in our brain, the chemical, and then actually um, helps our immune system Interestingly, it helps our body, um, but so often we just are not present to the present moment. We are m- much too busy and thinking about the next task that's going to need to be done, or dwelling on the fight that we had with our coworker, or dwelling on the fact that our husband is late again, or dwelling on the fact of whatever else, and and spinning this other thing in our head. Um, Sometimes not even negative, sometimes just busy in our head instead of being present. And yes, so many um, studies around um, neuroscience and neuroplasticity talk about positive nature of just being present for your own life.
1: One thing that I, I, I do want to get into is your own career path. How did you get where you are today, and, and what does your career path look like? Well,
0: <laughs> it's been it's been zigzaggy. Let's see. Uh, my, I got my master's degree in education, and my boyfriend then, who is my husband now, and I decided that we wanted to travel before we, quote-unquote, settled down. So we both got jobs teaching English in Japan. And we traveled for um, a year on some savings that we had. Then we ended up in Japan. We worked in Japan for a year teaching. Then we traveled. Then we went back and we taught some more and then traveled some more. And so we ended up traveling around the world for about almost five years in, um, in the mid eighties. Then we came back to the States and my husband got his master's degree. I had already had mine and um, he wanted to get his to to focus more on development and the education. And I was really wanting to, um, I was getting older, I was 30 and I was thinking I was ready for kids. And so we got married and we went to Africa before we had kids, to um, do some more teaching. And after Africa, we came back, and my husband got a job in New Zealand. And we had both loved New Zealand when we had traveled there during our travel stint. And so we ended up in New Zealand in 1992. I got pregnant soon after, and um, when my kids were born, I didn't want to work full time, but I had been teaching for many years, so I decided to create some workshops. For um, I saw a real missing piece in this in the school system in New Zealand that wasn't really addressing at that time. They've they've done much better recently, but they weren't really addressing a lot of the social needs of kids. It was very much academic focused and sporty. Focused and, and not a lot around the social, especially with things that um, adolescents and teens experienced with self esteem and inclusion, exclusion, bullying, etc. So I started some workshops um, called Teen Esteem Workshops. And, um, you know, it was it was not all altruistic. As I say, um, my kids were going to be in that position in the not-too-distant future, so I wanted those to be around when my kids were older. And then what happened was that um, a lot of the parents came to me, Sally, and said, we want what you're teaching our kids. And so several mothers said, if we get a group of mothers together, would you have a workshop for us and talk about a lot of the same stuff you're talking about with teenagers? And that's how um, the this new Um, set of workshops was started and so my business partner Deb and I she's an artist and um, we started running workshops for women called fig jam workshops which is fresh inspiration gives joy and meaning and we dealt dealt with a lot of the same things from the teen esteem workshops in terms of connecting to self and and feeling good about self but obviously you know not as much about inclusion and exclusion and bullying and so we started running those. And at about the same time, um, my son Lucas was, gosh, this was 13 years ago, so he was about 12, and he had braces. We live in a small town in New Zealand called Thames, and there was not an orthodontist there. So we once a month, we would go to the orthodontist in the big city in Auckland, and we would he'd take the day off of school, I'd take the day off of work, and we'd go to the orthodontist, and then afterwards, we'd go to Borders when there was still a Borders books. And I'd get a coffee, he'd get a hot chocolate, he'd get a pile of books, I'd get a pile of books, and we'd just look at books and have our coffee and hot chocolate. And my books were usually... Um, books on personal development, self-help books, and I would take notes in my journal, things for myself, things for the workshops, and occasionally when I'd come across something really um, interesting and juicy, I would read it to my son Lucas and say, ooh, ooh, listen to this. And then at one point, um, he was 12 years old, and I read something from the book. He put his hand on the book, and he said, Mom, you've been saying that stuff to me since I was little. You're always saying this stuff. You know this. Why are you still reading other people's work? Why haven't you written your own book? Wow. And I just, yeah, exactly. And I just <laughs> said, oh, my God. So that was 10 years ago. And so 10 years ago, I started writing my book. And in April this year, This Way Up, Seven Tools for crea- for Unleashing Your Creative Self and Transforming Your Life was published with She Writes Press. And that was a massive, massive work. And a lot of the... Um, the pieces in the book, especially with the story, um, are sort of a amalgamation of women from the workshops. So it's a lot of things that I've learned from women in the workshops and then um, my own learning through books and through research. So I need to make a disclaimer, Sally, nothing in the book is mine. It's all borrowed. It's all things I've learned. Um, but I've just sort of packaged it in a, in a book that a lot of... W- what women said to me in the workshops is... Um, What I want is a self-help book that doesn't read like a self-help book. I want a book that um, I can relate to and that I feel is accessible. And so that was my whole focus. My whole MO was to create something that felt relatable.
1: You know, when you say nothing in it is yours, I, I will have to say, though, that your big picture sense of it all, from having studied it and gotten it from all these women... That's a huge value add. Don't underestimate your own. Don't give yourself credit for that.
0: <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. I've, I've yeah that 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 all those pieces and sort of that amalgamation does make it somewhat unique. Absolutely, it's just that a lot of the tools you know I've borrowed from a lot of different um, modalities and streams, and um, I I absolutely credit all of my heroes and and people that I admire in the book. But there's a lot of borrowed pieces. Places, but hopefully it's packaged and put together in a way that's unique and um, different.
1: Well, I definitely am going to I'm going to read it. How do I find it? It's it's um do you sell directly through your website?
0: Well, it's um on my website there's a link to to buy it either on Amazon or on indie or on Barnes & Noble. So all of those are available. There are links on my website, and my website is thiswayupbook.com. Um, and so you can get it there. You can also get it at a lot of um, bookstores across the country. Several independent bookstores have it on stock. We'll certainly order it if it's not in stock um, because it's it's being distributed through um, Ingram Publishing Services through the publisher. So it's it's available at bookstores or easiest is to go to my website thiswayatbook.com and press the button that'll take you to Amazon.
1: I'm definitely going to read it. Now I'm very um, focused on this whole idea of looking inward and, and focusing in on ourselves. And I think that may be one of the missing pieces for women's career success.
0: Oh, that's great! Uh, that would just make my heart sing because that, that's something I, I believe most passionately. That we um, we are a powerful force. Women are an absolutely powerful force, and the more we are connected with our essential self, sense of self, we are even more powerful and happier. And that's 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 the key. When we can touch into that kernel and um, touch into that deepest sense and get the noise and the distraction and the, all of that out of the way. And sometimes that does require touching that deepest pain and unearthing the pain to heal that and get through, you know, we are, we are unstoppable and we're killing it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, Patty, it's been so wonderful talking to you today. Um, I I can't wait to read your book and um, I hope that our listeners check it out and start working on our, our getting in touch with ourself. Um, I, that's been a, a current, a constant theme. Our, my very first podcast interview was with Susanna Ludwig, who was nominated for an Oscar. And that was entirely on the topic of being true to yourself awesome. and that, that actually brings financial abundance.
0: Yep. That's so true. I, I believe that with all of my heart. Well, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate you joining me on the show. Oh, thank you, Sally. Thank you for having me. And thank you for a wonderful interview. And it's been fun. I'd love to do it again and keep up your great work. You're doing wonderful stuff.
1: If you enjoyed this show, please subscribe to our podcast, rate and review us on iTunes, and most importantly, tell a friend about us. Thanks for joining us.